Corrie Ten Boom, I don't know if you know who that is, but you should look her up. Um, the book is called Hiding Place. It's an incredible story. And she was a woman of prayer. And she says this, we should have prayer as our steering wheel, not our spare tire. And I don't know about you, but that stings just a little bit. Um, It should really be the driving force. It shouldn't be the thing that once you've gotten a flat in life that you reach out to God and say, God, will you help me? So when I introduce a discipline like this or something that is uh, part of the structure of our belief, then what I want to do is I want to do something pretty elementary. You'll remember this from school and all the kids will appreciate this. Anytime you ever had to do a book report, you had to figure out the who, what, when, where, why. Okay. So I would like us to really just look at the basics of prayer this week, talking about what is it, who does it, how does it get done, and then we're going to dive further in this series and talking through um, different uh, moments that are recorded in Scripture of other people's prayers as well as Jesus' prayers uh, that are recorded. So the first thing is this, the question is, what is prayer? And you've probably defined it already in your head. I mean, even as a small child, you understand it's you talking to God. But I want to make sure that we really understand it in a two-dimensional way. Okay, The first is that it is a conversation. And when I say conversation, I want you to understand... I don't know if you've ever met a person who thought they were having a conversation with you, but they were just talking nonstop (laughs) and you couldn't get a word in edgewise. That's not a conversation. A conversation is where there's back and forth. And in fact, every instance in scripture that we can see where there is recorded prayer, there are things about that that involve conversation. God speaking back to the person who's speaking to him. God answering from a burning bush. God delivering as a result of that conversation. Him answering. He even answered the prayers of unrighteous heathens in the Bible. God is a God who loves to hear us pray. I know that sometimes we get a little bit twisted about it because we think to ourselves, well, I mean, if scripture tells us that he already knows what we need before we even ask for it, what's the point of asking for it? The point is very, very broad, and I will share with you several reasons why. But first, we've got to understand what it is. It is a two-way conversation. Um, People look at me crazy when I say that God still speaks, but I truly believe he does. You may not have ever heard the audible voice of God, but you felt a sense in your heart as a believer, at least, that God was speaking something directly to you. In fact, it happened this last Sunday when I came back up at the end of the service and took the microphone to pray for boldness. I felt this overwhelming urge inside of me to pray that at my seat, but then I thought, no, you know what? I bet we all need to pray that. It was the Holy Spirit that did that. And he doesn't just do that because I went to seminary. He can do that with you. It doesn't matter how old, how young. It doesn't matter your circumstance in life. God still speaks, and he wants to speak with his human 
creations. Uh, If we think about the first time that prayer is mentioned um, in Scripture, it's Genesis chapter 3. It records a conversation between Adam and Eve and God, and this is when they went hiding from him because of their willful disobedience. And it's interesting to me that God is recorded as asking questions in order to persuade repentance. Not because he didn't know, because God knows all things. He knew that man and that woman would disobey him. But he chose to ask them some revelatory questions to get them out of hiding, not from behind a bush, but the hiding that we do in our hearts. It was to inspire truth in the conversation. And I believe God still does this. There are moments in even our services or when you're doing your devotions at home, when you're reading scripture, that sort of thing that you have this question form in your mind like, wow, maybe, maybe I should do that more often. Maybe I should be kind. Maybe I should this. Maybe I should that. So we believe that God still speaks and he doesn't just do this to super saints. He does it to average Joes. Amen. Amen. How many of you today confidently could say, cause you're in a safe place confidently could say you feel like you've heard God speak to you at one point in your life. Look at that. Look around. That's amazing. It's great. Okay. Secondarily, the other dynamic of prayer, what it is, is it's a spiritual discipline that many of us are lacking in. I say that because I have been prayerless in my life in seasons, different times, we get busy, we get distracted, things are going really well, and we don't need that spare tire, and so we just kind of go days and days and days without it, and then we were reminded by a message on Sunday, oh, I should do that more often, and then we try to amp it up again and go in that direction, but it's a spiritual discipline that we must all develop. So in Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, I found this interesting. It says, To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. It is at this time, this is what the word of God says in Genesis 4, verse 26. It was at this time that people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, When you pray... Not if you pray. He was understanding that you're to do it. We talk about it when it comes to giving. When you give, not if you give, but when you give, when you pray. Jesus was making sure that we understood this is something that believers are supposed to do. I've heard it said by an old preacher, dogs bark and Christians pray. (laughs) Right? I mean, it should be just a natural sort of behavior to us. But so often we have distractions and things that cause it to not be um, the, the regular discipline that it should be. So we shouldn't just use it in moments of chaos and catastrophe or heartbreak and heartache and um, issues that we face in our own lives like that. We should see it as available to us for any circumstance. I was subbing this week um, at CCA and got to see Cody a couple times. Uh, in the hallway, but got to see a bunch of students and uh, subbed one day for my wife's sixth grade class. And um, 
was in there and she likes to have me sub when she's going to do Bible because she's like, you can really engage the students and they'll be really excited. And so it was a lively, lively conversation. She's in a curriculum that was basically leading them through that lesson was about the crucifixion of Jesus and then the details surrounding that. And we talked about the supernatural things that happened when Jesus died. The fact that it was midday, but darkness fell. I don't know if you remember all these details, but there was an earthquake that happened. And there's something really strange that we rarely talk about. And that was many people resurrected from the dead the moment that Jesus died. Uh, Just... Very crazy to think that, uh, you know, your great aunt would just show back up for dinner. <laughs> uh, but so I was telling the kids about this and we're talking about the supernatural things. And then I went to my wife's curtain that's over her window and I went to go act like I was going to tear it. And they asked me what I was doing. And we looked at the verse where it says the veil was torn in two. So without them understanding Judaism and the entire Old Testament and all those things, I basically showed them the tabernacle that they used to have, then Solomon's temple, brick and mortar, okay? But there was always this very special place that you could go, one person could go one time a year kind of thing. And so I asked them, what did they think the significance of the veil being torn in two was? And after some thought and some interesting answers... This one girl, sweet girl, had a great answer. And she said, well, I guess it, I think God was trying to prove a point that we could all just have access to him. And I was like, yes, that's exactly the point that we can all have access. In fact, Hebrews says in chapter 10, verse 19 through 23, it says that we do. It says in verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. You should have the confidence to enter into the most holy place because of Jesus and what he's done for you and I. Yet so often we neglect that access. We don't take full advantage of it. So I want to encourage you to be spurred on to increase the quality and the quantity of your prayer prayer in your life. I think it's important for each of us. Um, So that's what prayer is. It's access to God. It's a two-way conversation. It's all of those things. It's that spiritual discipline. But then why, why should we pray? Well, if you're to believe any book that's ever been written about marriage, it probably has this phrase inside of it. Communication is key. Communication is key 
in any human relationship, any relationship that we have, and this includes God, our Heavenly Father. But also, because when we pray, we want to obey God. The Bible actually commands us to pray. So why should we pray? We should pray because communication is important, and we should pray because we want to obey, and Jesus as well as Paul and many others, encouraged us to do so. In fact, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says this, Don't be anxious about anything. Just maybe mull that over for a second. (laughs) How many of you have been anxious about something in your life? All of us have been. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So we speak with God in prayer, not just as a honey-do list. We're not just giving him a list of things. We should have elements of our prayer that involve things like confessing our sins, asking him what he would want us to do in our life. Lord, give me direction about the person you want me to marry, about the house you want me to buy. Lord, like leaning on him for all of those things. And because we want to obey the word of God that says in every situation, be prayerful. So the what and why and now how, this is where it gets hard. How should we pray? Do we pray with hands clasped? Do we pray with lights off and a candle? Do we pray on our knees only? How should we pray? The first and foremost thing you need for prayer is humility. I find it interesting in... um, other cultures as well as our own. We have our own way of doing it. But um, in Asian cultures, one of their signs of respect is for them to bow when someone comes into the room kind of thing. And if that person is more important than them, the deeper they bow, the more respect. I want you to understand what humility is. Humility truly defined is having a low opinion of yourself. That flies in the face of everything American you've ever heard. Because <laughs> you, you are awesome, you are great, you are perfect, you can do it all. You could be the president of, and by all means, we've demonstrated that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Lord, <clears throat> help me. Anyway, <clears throat> humility. Humility is necessary. The grown-ups got that, and they're having to explain it to some kids. It's okay. Um, forgive, forgive, forgive me. Um, humility is having a low opinion of yourself. You say, well, pastor, but I've dealt with self-esteem issues all my life. And the psychiatrist and the psychologist tell me that I've got to have a high opinion. Listen, there is no other higher opinion than God. And so it is with great respect and reverence and humility that we should go to the Lord in prayer that we should bow our hearts to him and say, God, your opinion over my opinion. In fact, you hear Jesus, the son of God, saying those words in the garden of Gethsemane before he goes to be crucified, saying, Father, nevertheless, 
Not my will, but yours be done. There's something significant about that. You say, well, pastor, are you talking about having low self-esteem? We should all intentionally do that. No, but here's what I'm saying. Pride is a poison. And it causes decay in our human relationships. If you've ever met a prideful person, it's hard to have a conversation with them and all that kind of stuff. It causes decay in those relationships, but it also causes decay in your relationship with God. Pride is your worst enemy and humility is your greatest friend. Having a humble opinion of yourself is important in terms when it comes to God so that you understand, here it is, again, un-American, here it is, that you understand your place. Your place is subservient. Your, your place is lower, right? So somehow when we talk about pride and humility, we end up uh, talking about like sufficiency a, a little bit uh, in that way. And what pride really says is I'm self-sufficient. I don't need you. I don't need you. But humility declares, God, I need you. I love that old song. I need thee every hour. I need thee. I think we really need to make sure that we practice that in our life. If we really understood our lack of self-sufficiency, like our lack of ability to be self-sustaining, if we recognize that, we would have that humble opinion of, God, I need you. I need you today. I need you right now in this moment. In fact, Second Chronicles chapter 7, it's a passage that's quoted often in regards to a nation. Specifically, we use it here in America. But let me give you the context of what has happened. In Second Chronicles chapter 7, Solomon has just dedicated the temple and it's so cool, the following passage, which starts about verse 12, 11 or 12. It says, that night, the Lord appeared to Solomon. It doesn't say in a dream. And I find that really interesting. God came and spoke to Solomon. And he was talking about the house that Solomon built for him, for God. And he says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. It says, this is so cool. He said, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. If you just think about it for a moment, the fulfillment of the New Testament with Jesus coming, the Apostle Paul specifically and other writers in the New Testament say that you are now the temple. You are where God resides. God can live inside of you. So let me just put it to you this way. That tells me that as believers, we have confidence to know that his eyes are on us and that his ears are open to the prayers that we pray. Amen? So we need to make sure that we take a humble posture. How else should we pray? 
we should pray by addressing our prayers to the Father. Now, you say, Pastor, is there a formula to prayer? Somewhat, can you, can you mess it up and God still hear you? Yes, absolutely. Can you pray for the last 30 years of your life, prayers that begin, Jesus, I, I need you? Yes. Can you pray prayers like we pray every Sunday, Holy Spirit, speak to me? Yes, you can do those things. In Scripture, throughout Scripture, all throughout Scripture, they are told to address God as Father when they pray, and specifically in the New Testament. In fact, Jesus' prayer life was so engaging that his disciples asked them, asked him to teach them how to pray. It wasn't, listen to me. Some of them did not fully believe that he was the son of God until after he resurrected from the dead. They followed him. He was a great man. They saw him do good things. But the Bible is actually clear and says, and this moment they believed. So I want you to get this. They saw him praying either in private or when he prayed publicly. And it was so engaging that they said, You've got to teach us how to do that. Teach us how to pray like you pray. So when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said, our father. Not my father, not just my father, our father. It's incredible when you think about that. So Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, um, saying our father. But then Ephesians chapter 520 says this, always give thanks to God, the father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we pray, we address our prayers to the Father in heaven, and we pray in the name of the Son. John chapter 14. So again, hear me out. If you forgot to say in Jesus' name at the end of your prayer, it doesn't mean your prayer got canceled. <laughs> okay? God is not like that. He's full of grace and mercy I'm just giving you the outline of what scripture lays out for us. But we pray in the name of the Son. According to John chapter 14, Jesus' own words say this, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I don't know if you caught that there, but it's God the Father and the Son. They're the same. Like, Three in one, just like we talked about several weeks ago. See, it says, I will do whatever you ask in my name, that the Father would be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. It's okay to pray to Jesus. It's okay to pray to God the Father. It's okay to pray to the Holy Spirit. All three in one, God in Trinity form. So we pray addressing our prayers to the Father in the name of the Son and by the power of, or with the help of, the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 says this in verse 26 and 27. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes, goes for us, 
He intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. This is incredible. That you've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit to be able to help you even in knowing what to pray. Have you ever gone to prayer just because you knew it was time that you needed to pray? It was your morning time or whatever, you know, set aside. And then you kind of just didn't know what to pray for. In moments like that, it's really important to say, God, I don't know what to pray for today. Will you help me? Another really super elementary kind of thing is to keep a list. (laughs) We have a list for everything. In fact, um, I won't rat you out if you're here today and you still use a paper grocery list at the grocery store. But I saw someone this week, (laughs) somebody raised their hand proud, loud and proud. I don't care, Pastor. Um, But we have Alexa. She listens in on every conversation. I know it's bad, but it's so easy to just be like, Alexa, add milk, you know, and just, you know. You have your whole list in front of you. But I saw this um, person in the grocery store this week, and something dropped out of their um, buggy, and I noticed it was this long, slender slip of paper that was her grocery list, and I reached down, grabbed it, and handed it to her. And I thought to myself, you know, I think in today's day and age, it doesn't matter if you use paper or if you use technology, but keep a list. So you don't skip out on praying for a grandbaby, right? I mean, so that you don't forget the missionary that you support, so that you put your pastor on that list for prayer, right? So keep a list. It's so good to do that. But even when we don't know what to pray, or maybe we've gotten through to the end of our prayer list, it says the Spirit is the one who helps God's people in accordance with God's will. That's so awesome. So praying with humility to the Father in the name of the Son, with the help of the Holy Spirit. This last how is going to seem ridiculously elementary. But it needs to be said. So a little bit of a pet peeve. I won't go on a rant, but I'm just going to tell you this. You are to pray, if you're asking how to pray, with humility and the other things that we just mentioned. And you're to pray audibly. Did that wake you up? I know that time change uh, can be hard. We're to pray audibly. Well, but but pastor, what about silent prayers? I I mean, I I grew up in a, you know, like really reserved sort of traditional background. And, you know, we didn't really talk out loud. I'm going to tell you something. There's not a single instance or instruction in the word of God regarding silent prayer. And even if you brought out the one that you might think of if you're super spiritual and you know all the Bible stories and you talk to me about Hannah, I'm going to tell you Eli was probably standing pretty far away. The Bible says her lips were moving, but he didn't hear what she was saying and he thought she was drunk. She was there in the, in the place where she could meet God praying desperately for him to give her a child. And God did so, but it says her lips were moving. That's literally the only example you could probably point to in all of scripture. And I still think it's probably just because Eli couldn't hear. (laughs) Okay. I'm just saying. So does God know your thoughts? Yes. Does he, can, can you silently communicate with God if necessary? 
yes. If somebody was holding a gun to your family and they were in your house, you don't have to start screaming in the name of Jesus. You can pray in that moment silently. Okay, If you're in a mixed crowd, if you're with unbelievers, I understand there are moments that we can allow ourselves to communicate to God silently, but that should be the exception, not the rule. Can I get a loud amen? So my foundation or my upbringing might have been a little bit different than yours. When I was in prayer meetings as a kid, Everyone prayed at the same time out loud. And you say, well, pastor, that's, that sounds confusing. No, it sounds beautiful. And in fact, I wasn't worried about what I was saying because everybody else was engaging in prayer. So if we were praying for missionaries in Africa and Sandra felt it on her heart really strongly by the spirit of God to pray for the marriage of those missionaries, for them to have a healthy family and whatever. And I felt like it was really necessary to pray for the finances for that missionary. You know, God could possibly hear all of those things at the same time. We don't have to sit in silence while someone else prays. In fact, it's encouraging to me. This is probably just me, but I think it's a lot of other people too. It's encouraging to me when I'm in a group with people who are saying, yes, Lord, in the, in the background. Just, it helps my mind engage when just taking Sandra, I'm picking on you today. When Sandra is praying, it, it really helps me keep focused if I'm agreeing with her in prayer Not to be loud and showy and all those things, but for you to use your voice. I love what Amy said during worship today. Um, I think we should do full body workouts, but I also think we should do full body worship. And I think that prayer could be like that too. In fact, the postures of prayer throughout scripture are really, really incredible. You could pray on a mountaintop. You could pray in a valley. You could pray on your knees. You could pray laying down. You could pray standing up. You can pray in the middle of whatever chaos you're facing. You could pray anywhere. So this is important for us to know that we've got to pray audibly. So the next question is this. When should you pray? When should you pray? And this is going to be really easy to answer. Um, And it's on the next slide. It is this. All times, all places, all circumstances, and without stopping. (laughs) Um, For you to be at the place where you can instantly engage in conversation with God is important. But... I think what we've done, if I'm honest, I think we've mystified prayer and made it this thing that we've got to be in the mood for it. The setting has to be just right. You've got to have not sinned for 24 hours for God to hear you. Like, like we have all these things that we've just made it this sort of thing that it's not. God just, he just wants to speak to you and wants you to speak to him. Listen to Philippians 4 again. Don't be anxious about anything. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's incredible to know that prayer literally can change you. 
So to pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 literally says that phrase. Pray without ceasing. It means without stopping, without having long um, uh, gaps in between your conversation with God. And this doesn't make you a weirdo. It makes you a Christian. Amen? So who should do it? Sinners and saints. Who should pray? Both sinners and saints. How else could a sinner come to the Father for the very first time if they weren't heard? Right? I mean, they have to be heard to be able to be answered, right? So the prayer that you prayed in faith when you first came to Christ, that worked. Also, there are a few instances in Scripture where God heard the prayers of unbelievers. In fact, it's a really interesting story you should check out later. I'm not going to read anything in the passage today. 1 Kings 21. King Ahab, bad dude, married to a bad woman, he fasted and prayed, unbelieving, did not serve the God of Israel. He prayed and fasted that the words that Elijah spoke would not come true, and God actually answered. This is incredible. So it is very possible that God, if he hears something according to his will, even voiced by a sinner, that he could answer it. That's not outside of the scope of God. Prayer can change the prayer. Did you get it? Saints also. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase, but I thought about it this week. Um, She has the patience of a saint. Have you ever met somebody like that? I don't know anybody like that. No, I'm kidding. Um, She has the patience of a saint. I'm not sure if it's because, like, you know, it's taken her a long time to get there, you know, what the thought with saints being patient is. And more than likely, the only way you get named a saint is if you lived and died. So maybe she's, anyway, I don't know if you just thought about this, but you are a saint. The Bible says as a believer, You are a son or a daughter of the king. And the Bible uses the New Testament writers specifically include language calling the believers in churches saints. Not just to Saint Amy in Celebrate Church. He says, greet Amy and all the saints at Celebrate Church. So if if we're to understand this correctly, that is not to say that you are someone who lives a holy, sinless, pure life 100% of the time. It just means that you are a child of the king. That's what that word means. So we don't have to reserve it for dead people, okay, from hundreds and thousand years ago. We can understand it in this way. It just infers that we are royal people, that we've been called out and set apart, and that we're separate. So both sinners and saints should pray. Um, here's another question, and we're getting real close to the end. Where should it be done? So, who, what, where, why, where? Where should it be done? It could be done anywhere. We said that in any room, in any building, in a castle, in a prison, it doesn't matter. But there are two specific categories that I wanted to cover, and that is this. Private, privately, or in private, and publicly. So, 
you need to have a well-balanced understanding of what prayer is. And I, th- I feel like, and again, I don't want you to feel insulted like your intelligence insulted today if this seems really basic. But some of us might need this reminder from time to time. You need to have private communication with God alone by yourself, but it's also encouraged and okay to pray in public. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 about privately praying. He says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. If you look at the context of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus was emphasizing the proud show-offs called the Pharisees who were roaming the streets going, oh, I thank you, God, I'm not like these sinners. You know, like things like that that were just obnoxious. And Jesus clearly says they've actually got what they were looking for. They don't have answers to their prayer, but they got that like, you know, hey, look at me, look at me. So, Going back to Eden, if we think about the the time that Adam and Eve were caught in their sin, it would seem to be that it was a regular daily occurrence that they had conversation with God. It would seem as much that we are to do the same. For us to have private, undistracted time in prayer should be a daily occurrence. And I'm not telling you how long that's got to be, but I would encourage it to be long enough for a conversation. (laughs) I have a great, great friend of mine. He texted the other day and said, listen, I've got to talk to you. I said, okay, what time can we talk? Blah, blah, blah. So he calls me a little bit later than the time we had talked about talking. And um, he said, how how much time you got? And I said, "Uh, about 15 minutes because I've got other things going on. The conversation turned into a 45-minute conversation, and it was okay, and I ran to do the other things, and it was a little distracting to have to do those things and try to focus and pay attention. But the point is this. A conversation with a good friend usually isn't just 15 minutes. It's longer than that. You say, well, I'm a guy, and we don't talk much. Well, you should talk to God, okay? (laughs) Even if you don't talk much, you should talk to God and do that in private. Publicly, there are instances in both the Old and the New Testament where prophets prayed in the presence of kings. In fact, you can read in Nehemiah. This is interesting. Um, The king is talking to Nehemiah, and Nehemiah, the word of God says, and Nehemiah stopped and sought the Lord. There's an important person in this room right now, but there's something else going on. And Nehemiah wasn't trying to show off. He was trying to help. And so he said, but I don't have the answer. I need to seek God. That's incredible. There are other instances where Jesus is recorded as having prayed publicly. The priest in the Old Testament and in the Second Temple also prayed in the presence of people. In fact, there's a beautiful prayer of Jesus that's uh, recorded in John chapter 17, and we'll talk about that in a few weeks. But what I want to emphasize today or hit on today is a different prayer that that is a public prayer of Jesus, and it's found... Um, in John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verse 41 to 44. If you want to turn in your Bibles and go with me there. It's one of the most interesting 
public prayers, I think, that Jesus prayed. And it says this in John eleven forty one. This is at the raising of Lazarus, his buddy, Jesus' friend who had died. Verse 41, so they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Verse 42, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus, the most humble human who's ever walked the face of the earth. Not an ounce of pride in that statement. Praying aloud, though, so that he would be able to testify to the goodness of God to those who were with him. Verse 43 says this, When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. His hands and feet were bound with linen strips, And his face wrapped with a cloth, because he was buried. He's dead for four days. And Jesus said to them, the people who were there, unbind him and let him go. It's okay to pray where your voice is heard by others. The point is to have that attitude of humility so that we're not saying, thank you, Lord, I'm not suffering like Miss Ann is, you know, or whatever. We we don't want to do that kind of prayer when it comes to public prayer. Chances are you don't need the Holy Spirit to tell you today that you should pray more. Chances are you know that and you understand that. I I do. There are moments in my life that I'm sure I could pray more. I want you to evaluate where you stand with Corey Ten Boom's statement. Is, is prayer really the steering wheel for your life helping you? Or is it something that you really just kind of lean on in hard circumstances when somebody's gotten a diagnosis of something bad from a doctor or when grades are messed up at school or things like that? Is it just our last-ditch effort or is it our actual first response? Would you close your eyes? Holy Spirit, I thank you. I thank you that you lead us, that you help us in our weakness, that we don't even know what to pray, but you assist us to pray God's will. I thank you, Jesus, that you are, as the writer of Hebrews says, the curtain, the the doorway for us to enter into God's very presence, the throne room of the King, God the Father. Father, I pray today for Celebrate Church that you would cause us to be dedicated to the discipline of prayer. If you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor, I I do need to increase in my time of prayer, my quality of prayer. If that's you, I encourage you during this song to not just jump into singing the words, but to actually confess your sin to the Lord. If we're to pray in all circumstances at all times without ceasing, then the absence of prayer in your life is actually sin. Prayerlessness is sin. So confessing that sin to the Lord today and saying, God, I don't want to be this Christian. I don't want to be this unpraying believer.
Lord, would you help me and commit yourself to him today? So if you need prayer for any reason, it doesn't matter what it is. If you need prayer for any reason, I want to encourage you to take advantage of that opportunity today. Whether it's to pray for a family member or a friend, pray for an issue at school or at work, just simply ask for prayer from these who are up here. And we'd love to pray with you today as the worship team begins.